0: The world is changing at a rate that we've never seen before. From business to art to sports, these changes are affecting every aspect of our lives. My name is Nick Kastner, and we're setting out to talk with the people who are altering the way things are done. Along with Alec McChesney, this is The Commonwealth. Our guest today is Lex Allen, an up-and-coming soul pop singer-songwriter out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Lex opened for Lizzo at Indies Pride Festival last May sang the national anthem for President Obama last October, and has a new album that drops on February 14th. We conducted this interview the same week we launched the first episode of the show. It was also the same week as Lincoln Calling, a music festival that I help organize. During this hectic week, the director of Lincoln Calling hits me up to ask if I would pick up an artist from the airport. I made the hour-long drive, pulled up to the terminal, and saw Lex Allen walk to my car. Over the course of the next two days, Lex and I spent time sharing our goals, passions, and perspectives on life. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, Lex Allen. Thanks for coming on the show with me today, Lex. Thanks for having me, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to start with, who um, who would you say your music is most like? Nobody's. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um,
1: no, I would say like... Uh, I come from a really like influential family, um, just like music-wise. We were just all listening to everything. When you come from a family of eleven people, uh, you're bound to have a lot of crossovers. So, you know, brother was in the dance hall music, like Bob Marley, fucking Aretha Franklin, Patsy Klein, Johnny Get. Like all of it was in my house. So, I feel like my music is a combination of my life experiences.
0: So, when people compare you to Prince, do you see the? Uh... <laughs> The, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Lex and I met yesterday. I mm-hmm. helped plan Lincoln Calling. Mm-hmm. And Lincoln Calling last minute had me pick up an artist from the airport. And it was Lex. We hit it off on the drive home. We hung out last night. We are hanging out yeah. after the show. <laughs> and But when as soon as I saw you walk out of the termo- a terminal, I was like, this guy looks like Prince. Oh, my God. And then I was in research, and there's other, like, like critics and people who write about your mm-hmm. music say, give the Prince. Yeah,
1: I mean, know, I love it. Like, Prince is... God, like, he's, ah, the top tier, you know? Um, when I think of freedom and a freedom of expression as an artist, like, I think of Prince, and I think that's where people get the comparison because I just, you know, it's a learning process, like, to be myself, but I'm a very free artist. and am very outspoken when it comes to things, and I'm just, like, I just, like, kind of don't give a fuck anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. So so I can see the comparison with Prince, just, like, the onstage, like, attire. Like, I'm very masculine feminine um and i could feel like if people are saying that then like i love it because <laughs> yeah. i love me some prince and um I, i'm appreciative and grateful for the comparison <laughs> so when did you start creating music uh well i like the typical story you know i started in a church and then um no <laughs> but i did i started like Singing, like, at church, we used to always, like, our buses. like, our church would, like, bus us in. So we'd all, like, sing, like, these church hymns on the bus. And I was, like, always loved that. And I always had a really passionate love for music. Like, I was obsessed with, like, Whitney Houston. And and so for me, like, I'm just, like, being, just, like, singing with the radio, singing, like, at a very young age. I didn't really start getting into it until I got into choir, like, church high school. Um And then when I was, like, 19, I, like, put out my, my first song called Sorry. And if you look on YouTube, I'm sorry that you have to listen to that. No, I'm, not, I'm kidding. But it's still, it's a real, well I got really great responses from people. And then I just kind of kept at it. And I've been at it for like, well, like almost like nine, 10 years now. Um, And doing it full time, being a full time artist. And like, yeah, so yeah, it has been,
0: it's been wild. <laughs> you mentioned your um, your large family mm-hmm. um, how how many brothers and sisters did you have and are you youngest yeah. oldest I'm
1: 11 uh, siblings and then I'm in the middle so I like to keep shit together if yeah. you will like so yeah <laughs> and is your whole family artistic um, in a way yeah like so my oldest brother of us uh, he's a DJ he works with like I think he's still with Native Instruments. Um, so he was just always the one with, like, the best music in the house and, like, the vinyl. And, like, you know, you go to his house and in the basement has this DJ set up. So, you, you know, you're like, what's this? What's new? You can go, like, when CDs were a thing. <laughs> um, he had, like, this huge collection of CDs. So I would go work for him and, like, organize his collections and stuff. So, you know, you're always, like, listening to some crazy dope music. So he was one one of the ones that, like, really got me into music. Uh, my oldest sister um you know she's a poet or not my oldest sister my youngest sister is a poet uh writer she's also a bodybuilder she trains and just like wow. yeah it's some like she's wild um basketball it's just like everyone is in their own little lane and it's like kind of crazy to even think about it. every time someone asks me a question i just like <laughs> think about my family's like damn I'm like we all do some like really weird shit um <laughs> But yeah, so it's mostly me, my older brother, um, and everyone else just kind of does like building. I mean, building is an art. so my brothers a carpenter. Uh, there's a lot. <laughs> there's yeah. just a lot that happens, and a lot of shifts in a huge family. <laughs> yeah, I can believe that.
0: So when you were nineteen, you made that first. Um, sorry. Yeah, yes. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. How long did it take? Take you to commit to doing this full time?
1: Um a while because like I was just like a little just like, is this something that I want to do? I was really into photography so that was like my first like big passion and big love so so the music was kind of like just like a hobby Like I would like download instrumentals from like YouTube and just like write and I always knew I was like a really good writer I would always write poetry and um, like short stories and all that fun stuff. But I didn't really take myself seriously in that until, like, people started... You know, you, people, you get good feedback. You're just like, oh, like, you're good. Like, it's like, am I? Like, am I good? <laughs> um, so, but the focus for me early on was, like, photography, like, fashion photography. I would do, like, collections for people's homes, like, minimalistic, like, little collages and all that stuff. And, and I didn't really start taking music seriously until, like, I got into, like, my, like, mid... Well, like, early, early to mid, like, 20s. And then I met up with... I was taking photos at this event and, like, um, doing photos and just kind of, like, being an observer mm-hmm. of this band, like, uh, Fresh Cut Collective in Milwaukee. And I was like, I want to be doing that. I was like, I want to be on stage. And then the next year, I was on stage with them. And then we formed a collective, a new collective of New Age Narcissism. So it's, like, it's like kind of manifesting, like, my, like, like I really want to be doing that shit. And when you really set your intentions to something, like, it's just, like, your body and your mind subconsciously, like, moves you towards that. Because, like, I was like... I, kind of, I don't want to be shooting shows anymore. Like, I've always wanted to be on stage, and I was, like, being a shadow artist to people who were performing, and taking. And that's why I was taking their photos. I feel like I want to be doing what they're doing, so this is my being close to them and, like, doing the photos and letting that artistic self out and, like, blocking my musical side, which I was always, like, in love with, but kind of, like, scared to do because people told me, oh, you can't sing, you can't do this. Like, I had people tell me that, and it was, like, really discouraging, and now it's, like my full-time job <laughs> and those people who told me like oh you can't sing are like oh my god like i knew you'd make it like <laughs> know? i was like no you didn't <laughs> like i was recently like with uh, one of my friends parents and um she was one of the ones that would be like she was like i just thought that you just couldn't do it like i just and then she was like you were singing at my um my one of my friends um Children passed away, and then I sang at the funeral. And then she was like, There was like the first time that I was like, Oh my god, like you can actually like sing. And mm-hmm. I was like, Yeah, she was like, I'm just, but she like came around, she was like, I'm really proud of you that you kept at it. And so it's like, That was for me, is like never listen to anyone because sometimes it's like their doubts that they didn't make come true being projected onto you. Yeah. So you kind of just have to listen to yourself and like, because like someone else's story they put it on like everyone does that like oh i remember one tell you any story you tell someone like oh i remember one time i did something like that and this all went wrong and they try to like discourage you from doing it. you're like well shit that's your experience and
0: yeah that might just be it for you <laughs> yeah so after um after pursuing or after deciding to pursue a career mm-hmm. in music um last night you described your your following as grassroots mm-hmm. how did you develop that grassroots following
1: well it was more so just being a present like with anything you just have to show up you know show up and show your ass like so whenever I would do any open mic nights like I'd be like these people don't know me but I'm gonna do a few covers and I might do an original um, and it's just about re- really making every experience that like big or small every interaction matter so like for me like I don't give a damn if there's like 10 people in a room like I said. And they're listening. Those ten people, maybe five out of the ten, or maybe seven out of who knows. Like they're gonna go and talk about you to their friends, and they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna follow this person on Instagram." And then you just kind of like, it's kind of like this cycle that occurs. And I feel like it's been working for me for the past like three years. I've built, you know, like a really great following on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Um, and it's just really about like being personable and being authentic. As authentic as you can be, and as authentic as you want to share yourself, like. And I felt the more that I like shared who I was, like my troubles that I'm going through as an artist, like, you know, the great things that are happening as an artist, um, inviting people places, like, those are the things that make lifetime fans, and those are the people that are going to be like at every damn show. They're like people who are at every one of my shows, like, that have been coming since like the beginning. So you know, there's just something about authenticity. That makes the grassroots movement a bit more authentic in terms of like having a solid fan base who actually like believes in you rather than just like some one off show or some some like boost in your social media. Like, but you know, like the, mm-hmm. that stuff doesn't matter in the long run. Like, you can have a million plays on Spotify, but no one's coming to your shows, and I feel like that's a telltale sign of like authenticity and like people who actually like don't just like a song they like you as a person you as a whole so that's like yeah, that's been my my little grassroots secrets (laughs) just be your damn self and like be open and non-judgmental and and like like I said I have like people on all sides like I have Mm -hmm. democrats republicans gays straight black white you know like older like my demographic is literally probably from like 18 to like 65 year olds like it's like Expansive, (laughs) You know, it's because they see me. They don't see, like, anything else. And I think that's really important when when developing yourself as an artist and becoming you and having something real. Because, like, I liked Prince because he was real. I like Whitney Houston because she said what the hell she wanted to say. You know, I like Adele because she's very outspoken, and she's like, she will tell you what she feels. I loved Amy Winehouse rest her soul um for her authenticity and it's like those artists that like you see the realness in them and it's like sometimes you're like damn i wish i could be that real so you just like like i said it's like shadow artists like you're around these people because you want that energy and you want to be kind of doing what they're doing Mm -hmm. but you just be like i'm just gonna stand to the side and like be next to them
0: how do you ensure you always execute on that realness
1: I just like wake up into myself like I wake up I put my hair wrap on I wake up and I like go online I'll post a pit. you know it's just Mm -hmm. like you just I just really have made the dedication to like not let anyone's personal experiences become mine. And I think that's, like, the biggest thing. Because, you know, you know, I've been in relationships where they, you know, kind of were just like, oh, shit, like, your music sucks, all this blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, you don't really believe that. Because I don't believe that. And I don't really like, care if you think I suck or not. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I don't. And I'm, I'm not going to, like, let those words dictate, like, my progression. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, the thing about, like, staying real and authentic is knowing who you are and researching and reading up about who you want to be and the things that you want to change about yourself and the growth that you want to make because my mentality is like be less shitty than I was yesterday and that's how I keep myself in check like like oh I failed at that but like I'm going to be less shitty at it because of that failure and I'm going to become a better person because of it. A better, less shitty person. That amazing. Yeah, yeah.
0: So when you went around and um, started performing at these open mic nights mm-hmm. and getting these these gigs, yeah. did you stay in, in Milwaukee? I would do Milwaukee. Like, when my friends would be in Madison,
1: like, we'd do Madison. I would go to, like, house parties. Like, anybody that would just, like, let my ass up, I'd say, just like, <laughs> let me say what I have to say through my music. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like being going to like friends open mics and then like having a friend be like oh i'm doing this show i'm like can you do this cover with me and it just kind of like trickled in that you know he's like i didn't jump in it all by myself like it was like you know roxy bean who's in milwaukee she's fucking amazing um she was like an early mentor of mine she's an amazing voice and she'd be like oh i have this show like come and sing this kings of leon song with me come and sing like this britney spirit song with me and like you know we would just do that and like desi brown like that was one of the first people that i actually started writing with in milwaukee um and it was just like those experiences like gave me confidence to like get up on stage and do it myself so it was like you know having that like i said like that group of people who see your potential and you're just like oh shit like yeah come to the show with me like do this song by yourself like i'll learn this song for you so you can sing it yourself and it was like really amazing like to have that at home Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: So in uh, the fall of twenty eighteen, you were accepted into the music accelerator program called Backline. Yeah, line? First, yeah. yeah, first. What is Backline? A uh, Backline was a twelve week
1: program um, dedicated to accelerating your music career. Uh, it involved like being mindful, you know, using your brain and having a life coach and a therapist because I feel like every artist needs to dig deep and figure out what the hell is going on in their brains. <laughs> um, and then it was like. It was like a plan mode, um, and then a plan, and then we executed our plan, and then you have the product afterwards. So, so it just like gave you the tools that you needed, like financially, um, like mentally, like to progress your career. Yeah,
0: and so they made an investment into your music, investment career, into the
1: music career of four artists in Milwaukee. Um, they were actually on the third cohort now. Um, but yeah, so they make a personal investment with no ask in return, which was really amazing. And it was literally to see our community, our artist community grow and it's made it. So I personally feel like more people are on their, on their game. More people are creating more, uh, more people are taking chances artistically in our city. And I just like think the program helps that and doesn't like take away. Yeah, if that makes sense.
0: Um, this is a specific question that I get. You may not know the answer to, but okay. um, how uh, how was it funded?
1: I have no clue. Yeah, I'd say by miracles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I,
0: there was a little stork
1: <laughs> who dropped twenty thousand yeah, yeah, dollars yeah. on my head. <laughs> um,
0: so how did it affect your career? What did you do with the twenty? 000? I
1: mean, it affected it tremendously. It allowed me, like I was saying, my first project of. Like had to pay $10,000 for oh shit even like sign up Um, but it has affected it in a way where I didn't have to worry about where the financing would come for my project like I was able to create freely with no restrictions no thought like not that I couldn't before but it just made it easier to to focus artistically on what it is that I wanted to do so I went to London I recorded my album at the Metropolis power plant and like part of my element, metropolis power plant um i was able to go there twice and finish everything up um they gave me the tools like logic pro so i got a new laptop through them and i was able to get logic and for, wor- work on my vocals at home um i was able to like go to new york sit with paradigm record or paradigm like agents and like sony all this stuff we were given like the tools that you would need to to progress yourself, and you have access to people that you not normally would have had access to, and and it's not like everyone like would want to be a part of something like this, but I just feel like it was very important to be a part of this, and it was really awesome to be a part of like the first round because you know you get to go through all like the where this is all new for everybody kind of yeah, situation. Yeah. It's like what is happening, and so you're in a house. With, it was almost like the real world to me, like just being in a house <laughs> with like. I knew three of the four artists beforehand so we all had a rapport and it was just like you're with your project manager you're with and so you're learning learning new people skills like you're just learning how to like travel make sure you're on time for like these meetings because these people don't play <laughs> you know yeah. like their time is very important to them um, and it just made me made me very accountable for what I wanted my career to look like you know yeah yeah and yeah so you just Travel, traveling, resources, um, but I feel like the big part of it for me personally was, like, having a group of artists that we're all talking about, like, our real problems, uh, what, what happens, uh, and our artistic world is not like people on the outside will normally know about because it's our 24 seven job. And for someone who has like a regular nine to five looking into what we're doing, they just think they're having all the fun in the world. Nah. They don't see like the struggles of you sleeping on your friend's couch for like three months. Like they don't see like, you know, you like, oh, shit, like I need to pay my phone bill, but I need to pay for studio time. I'd rather pay for studio time to be distracted with my phone bill. You know, it's just mm. like these decisions that you have to make. Um, and they're often like the right decisions. They're often <laughs> not much shit. Like if it's something that you're really passionate about, you will do anything and any and everything to make sure it comes to fruition, even when it involves failure.
0: Um, so when you're meeting with, with big label mm. companies like Sony and, and Paradigm, yeah. what, how, what's that meeting like? How does it go?
1: You know, you sit, you play music, <laughs> um, you play your music for them, and they give you feedback. They ask you, like, you know, what do you want? Like, And, like, some people, I, I was like, wait, what? Like, what do I want? That's a great question. Um, it's just really personal. It's just where do you see your career? What do you want to be doing with your career? And then when you just, like, when you're ready, you just, like, present your shit to them. Like, the contacts that you make, like, you present it to them, like, that one-on-one kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then they... They are honest with you. They're like, you know, you need to get this up. You need to get this up. Um, And then, like, just send me work. Send me what you have. And if they can help, they'll help. And if they can't, they're really honest with it. And it was like, you know, this really isn't my field. Like, I don't have, you know. Um, It's very sporadic. Just, like, the industry is fucking sporadic. Like, it changes every... I feel like every month something new is like, well, this is how you succeed now. You know, and I... And I truly don't believe there's any metric to success, like, in the music realm. Like, you know, they say you have a thousand fans, like, you have a sustainable career in music, because they're going to buy your merchandise, they're going to buy, they like you, Um, but I feel like the metric to success in music is, like, being innovative and, like, really shifting, not who you are, but shifting, giving people a reason to come back to you, like, connection, and, but that's... That's how I feel like people look at, you like, these meetings and all that stuff. It's just, like, it's very different for everybody. Yeah. What they're looking for, what they're asking for of you. And at the end of the day, it's, like, well, is that even what I want? Like, is that, like, do I want to be, like, part of, like, that? Or do I want to continue, like, my grassroots shit that's, like, been doing me really well for the past, like, six years? You know, it's, like, there's all these things and all these Thanks, brother. It's always nice to have extra help
0: and mm-hmm. it all. Yeah, yeah. Let's take a quick break so we can tell you about a live event we have coming up on Thursday, November fourteenth. We are hosting a live recording at the Foundry in Lincoln, Nebraska. Happy hour starts at four p.m. At five, Senator Anna Wisher is hosting a twenty-minute-long question and answer session. At five twenty, I'll interview Ali Schwanki, founder and CEO of SimpleStrat. The event will close by the same time happy hour ends, which is at 6. Check out our Facebook page to learn more about November 14th's event. Now, back to the show. Um, So that studio in London, Mm -hmm. as I've gotten into podcasting, I've I've learned how valuable a nice studio is. What was that like? Oh my god. I touched everything. <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I was like, who was here? <laughs> just just yeah. like,
1: okay, just like rub everything. Yeah, who who else had been um, recorded there? But well, when we first walked in, you just see like a platinum record of Elton John, and you're just like, oh, shit. It's <laughs> just <laughs> like, like, okay, like Little Mix, like fucking Michael Jackson, like all these like greats, like Queen, like... Like, you know, you walk into a space like that with so much history. And, like, for me, that was personally one of the moments where I was, like, I'm doing something right. You know, like, I'm on onto something. And I always, like, thank myself for not giving up because there are days where I definitely were, like, fuck, maybe I should get a job, like, a real person job Um, and, like, figure this shit out. Um, But it was, I would say we're, like, a million dollars worth of equipment in that place. And it was... Just everything you looked at was just like so Now nice. we had a runner I've never had a runner in my st- studio ever just like just like, what do you need I was like food go they just go pick it up for you just like bring it it was
0: so you don't have to so you, you don't, don't have, to have to do
1: anything food. just be like I think I'm ready first I'm like can you guys find like some KFC or something like you
0: know? <laughs> get whatever you want
1: and then they would just like I mean you pay for it but yeah. like they would, you didn't have to leave your studio session so they would be like they would just run out and get you things making sure you have your tea coffee and it was, like, pretty amazing. We had our own little engineer in there. Like, it was pretty, it was pretty dope.
0: <laughs> and so do you rent it out for a period of time?
1: So we had, yeah, you would rent it. Like, we had the studio rent out. I think it was, like, for, like, eight hours or something like that. And, yeah, you have your eight hours to do whatever you need to do, like, musically.
0: Yeah, and, so, and how many songs did you get done in eight
1: hours? Uh, see, I'm a perfectionist, so we got about, like, we started a few and then recorded one. Okay. so it just like go. it's like that's a process like you're just like oh, I'm feeling this I'm feeling this and then like you don't and he's like yeah. I don't feel anything magical like for me personally like I have to like when I record something and listen back to it I have to see a visual if I don't see like a visual in my brain like an actual music video or, or just like imagining someone dancing in their bedroom to it or like someone like yeah. <laughs> crying like, uh. yeah. <laughs> you know if I don't have a visual then I scratch the song because it doesn't have any feeling for me so it's not going to be real and authentic when I put it out because okay. I just don't have the feeling. So we finished this song called Faded, which is about like a wild-ass time that I had in Minneapolis. I was like roofied. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> but it's funny now. Because it was like, this was, this was years ago. You <laughs> were, you laugh? All right? were you all
0: right when you were roofied? Like, what?
1: No, I woke up in a hospital, attached to a bed. And yeah, it was probably one of the worst times of my entire life. But now I can laugh at it. Um, But, yeah, it was really bad. It was really bad. But, like, you have to get it out somewhere or how. And so I wrote this trippy-ass, like, dance EDM song with uh, this girl Sonia Kaliko. She was from Taiwan. And, like, I was like, I think I'm finally over that. Like, I'm finally, like, got that out of my system. Because, I mean, I feel like people can relate to that shit on a level, but then it's also, like, no one's going to know. Now they will. Yeah. Um, (laughs) um, No one's going to know, like... The backstory. Well, I always tell the backstory of my song, but yeah, it was a really wild those times. So we wrote this really trippy, like, dance EDM track. That like, yeah, it was really bad. I'll tell you after after yeah. we get off of this. I'll tell you. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to hear. That. <laughs>
0: um, so how um, you you kind of touched on this, but mm. how do you stay mentally healthy while writing the ups and downs of a music career?
1: So like, I take myself on artist dates. Mm. <laughs> you know, you just like. I love, like, treating my inner child, like, because that's the one who, like, drives my life. You know, that's the one that's always waking up enthusiastic about, like, oh, it's a new day. The sun is shining. Ah, like, Tulsa Strudels. Um, so, like, really giving my inner child, like, every day a chance to play and, like, come out and just, like, laugh at this silly shit and not take everything so seriously and not be so fearful about taking chances. Um, I read a lot. Um, subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck changed my life. It's a really amazing book if you guys have not read that and you are an artist or anybody who just doesn't want to live their life by anybody else's like rules or like little little roadblocks and safeguards for not failing and all that shit. Um, the Artist Way is another one, the book that opened my mind. I really broke down a lot of artist blocks that I had in my mind um, that I didn't even know existed still. Um, and then just really being around and surrounding yourself with people who don't diminish what you desire in life, you know, Um, not yes people, you know, you don't want to be surrounded by yes people, but you want to be surrounded by people who actually like see your growth and see where you see yourself. And sometimes it doesn't matter if they see where, it just like matters that you have an open ear to talk to just like about anything and it feels safe about it and like be able to express yourself. Um, and then I journal every fucking day like you when you journal and like look back like you see what's been on your mind and in your mind and like where you have to like shift Um, Mm -hmm. be it like letting go of friends uh, letting go of bad habits that don't serve you anymore Um, yeah and it's just really about taking inventory of like what you truly want so I keep myself very sane and focused on what it is I truly want and anything that like does not match It's like, I don't even have to remove it anymore. I've been doing it so, so much that, like, they just naturally remove themselves from my life. Like, another person I I can tell y'all listen to is Abraham Hicks. Uh, YouTube, Abraham Hicks, and click on and listen to anything from them. Um, And just, like, really, real authentic conversation about what you want and what you desire and how you think is very important. If you think you're a failure every day, you're going to be a failure. Mm -hmm. Um, If you. See your failures, and you're like, I'm not a failure. But that helped me learn X, Y, Z. You have more of a chance of moving past and like keeping a clear, sane, fucking mind while yeah. in the process of being a
0: creator and creating mm-hmm. things for people and yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, so back in Milwaukee, you have partnered with um, a public health organization to launch an LGBTQ anti-violence campaign. Mm-hmm. What uh, what drives you to be a passionate advocate for the LGBTQ community?
1: Being black, non-binary, LGBT, gay, whatever the heck people want to call it. Um, like, that was my passion. Like, growing up, like, I was bullied a lot. Like, like I definitely, like, had those moments. Like, the that was called the Colors and Bloom campaign with Diverse and Resilient. And the suicide rate amongst, like, LGBTQ kids, like, you know, in the nation, you know, they're fucked. Like, you mm-hmm. know, before our transgender people are being killed like at an alarming rate like I, how, how many this year so far like I can't even keep count because it's like so shitty um, so for me like when I was a kid I did try to like take my own life because I was being bullied and I was being like like I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin so when I was presented with this I was just like oh shit like That little kid in me who was bullied, who was, like, you know, just harassed, like, horribly, um, was like, this is our chance to, like, help other kids and, like, put out a message that, like, they can wake up a song they can listen to when they feel low and hear a person like them singing the words um, and giving this message rather than someone who's not of the LGBT family um, just, like, saying something and saying be okay without Mm. ever experiencing that sort of like, like hatred towards yourself, like mm-hmm. just because you're looked at as different. Um, so, like doing the campaign, our first our first billboard that we put up was outside the exit of a conversion therapy school.
0: <laughs> so conversion therapy, conversion
1: therapy, pray the gay away. It does not work. People they become senators and priests, and then you see them on the news.
0: Oh. <laughs> 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 Okay. <laughs> um, um,
1: <laughs> the toe tappers. I don't know. Oh my god! Okay. Um, back to normal.
0: Back, to normal. back to normal. Okay, okay, okay. 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 Um, a few follow questions. Yes. Um, how do you identify in the LGBTQ plus? Um,
1: I'm non-binary, so I don't subscribe to a gender norm i guess gender binary so like male female female, female. Male, female, i'm just i embrace all my energy masculine and feminine um i was just like i'm queer i'm a queer individual so okay. um that's how i identify um and yeah it's been really like i actually recently just opened up to like my, my non-binary non-binary lifestyle like you know i'm a person who like i said i i walk out in like jeans and a track jacket, and then stilettos will be on my feet. I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh
0: shit, like those, those are nice shoes. Um, <laughs> and is this the definition of queer? Like, what no, is it's the, what's... my definition okay. of me. You know, it's just yeah. like,
1: I just can't. Like, again, like, I never speak for people because it's so different for everybody. Like, sexuality and gender is so different. Like, for people, I've like known people who, like, they've only been attracted to one guy in their life and they are dated women their whole entire life. And, like, it's just, like, these little things that <laughs> that are just, like, so complex. Like, gender and sexuality are so complex. So t- for people, when they try to, like, well, you're this, or you're this, or you're supposed to be bisexual, or you're just, like, it's, like no, there's so many shifts, like, within a person, or, like, just, like, I've always known I was, like, queer. I've always known I liked guys. I've always known, I, like, like I didn't come out until I was, like, 19, because i was like bullied so hard and i was like let me get out of high school like maybe it'll be a little better i was like uh, no okay. <laughs> um but i found my like people who accept me for who i am and um like being around them like just allows me to explore myself a bit more so it's like you just have safety but i like identify as like i said as non-binary and i don't they them are just call me that like kind of feel he him she her like just like you know whatever but I'm definitely like they them or just call me by my name
0: no
1: not plugging the movie um, <laughs> just call me <laughs> <laughs> it's a good movie That's it's the, a great yeah. movie I love the movie um, but or Lex like I feel like it's easier to just call a person by their name like then be like he she like oh no Lex you can use a person's name in any instance. So, like, I'm just like, why not just call me who I no. am?
0: And, and, for example, like, up mm. until this point, I hadn't used a, a male-female pronoun. Yeah. Like, it's pretty easy if you yeah. just, like, don't think about it. Too yeah,
1: hard. at all. <laughs> um, can
0: I ask you a personal question? So yeah. personal that we These can, have like,
1: all been personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, Let's we, get it.
0: Okay, um, which bathroom do you
1: use? Oh, I use both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I use both. If they have, like, a, a non-gendered bathroom, then I'll use that one. Okay. Um, Like, it just all depends on, like, how safe I feel in a space. Like, I was in Milwaukee in this restaurant called Balzac, and I was standing outside the bathroom, and I was like... And my friend went into the women's bathroom, and I was like, I'm in, like, my heels and all this stuff. And I was like, I'd feel more comfortable, like, going into the women's restroom. And then, like, the owner of our manager, she's like, go. She's like, this place is open. Like, she's like, you don't have to worry about any of that. Like, and it felt, like, really good um, to be, like, acknowledged, and like, not be like, oh my god, like, like you're a man, like. Go, and I'm not gonna say the name of these establishments in Milwaukee, but there are some that are not so open. Like their bouncers are not nice. Um, they just don't. They're just really just cisgendered, overly masculine men who are assholes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, I'll just say that. Um, but yeah, so it's just nice to have. Allies and people who actually like get it and get you, and then it's shitty when people just see you as what they want to see you as because they have no capacity to see past their limitations. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Um, I have I guess heard slash read that um, like being a black member of this community can be even more challenging and difficult. Yeah, is it and why is it? And
1: I mean, it is because we have you know you look back at our history when. Uh, like, a lot of people, like, so let's get real, like, slavery, uh, slavery times, like, people, black men were, like, usually, like, raped. They were, like, all this shit. So we have, like, these stigmas in our brain, like, it's just because of our history. Um, and I, like, I can understand that, but I don't agree that's, like, what makes a person, like, LGBTQ. I understand, like, the racial stigma behind it, but I don't, like, really get why, as we progress, like, it's not much more, like, noticed and aware in our community. Like, I would get picked on, like, by, like, a lot of, like, I got picked on by everybody. Um, But it was more so in my own community, like, my own African-American community that, like, was like, oh, shit, like, maybe I shouldn't, like, come out. Or, like, maybe I need to, like, be less flamboyant or... But then I'm just, like, usually, I'm not even kidding you, a lot of those guys that made fun of me about being gay are, like, now gay themselves. (laughs) So it's, like, often a lot of projection, um, but, like, yeah, I definitely felt discriminated against in my community. I feel discriminated against, like, in, like any male form that, like, ones that don't understand themselves are usually the ones that, like, fuck with you and, like, like try to pick on you or, like, call you, you know, queer or, like, that fag or, like, any of that. Like, those are usually the ones that, like, have some deep diving to do in their own, like, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's just, like, there's so many things built up against them. Um, with having to be super hyper-masculine because, like, that's how you're respected and that's how, you know, mm-hmm. you're looked at as strong rather than, like... Like, I feel like I'm stronger than most because, like, I choose to, like, live my life out as I am, like, every day. And that's, like, very scary sometimes because you have people who really don't believe that it's a thing or it's allowed or or, like, it's an abomination to, like the sacredness of like masculinity just like no it's like just because I like a guy does not mean that like I don't have masculine tendencies or feminine tendencies I just choose to like use both (laughs) like I choose to feel I choose to emote and I feel like in the black community we're not allowed to like or any man like they're not allowed a lot of them aren't allowed to feel or cry or any of that you're not allowed to look weak and like homosexuality I feel in the eyes of a lot of people is looked at as weak
0: Yeah, and while crying in particular as someone who, like, identifies as a man, Mm -hmm. I am, like, unconscious to show my emotions Mm -hmm. to the random people I come across. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like, I have to be tough. Yeah, guys don't cry. Guys don't cry, dude. Guys don't cry,
1: dude. Stub my toe, but I'm...
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's like you just see the tear reverse back into yeah, that right? oh Just yeah. like, I'm so masculine, my tear's reverse, bro. No. Like, no. Um, <laughs> um, so, that um, the album you talked about recording in London, when does it come out? So, that
1: the first single comes out uh, in November. Okay. So, that's all I know right now. Um, but it's going to be coming out soon sooner than later okay so we have like the music video for Let Go coming out and then the follow up single Mm -hmm. that we recorded with All Pines from London that's like going to be our first single it's very like Stolen Love is what it's called like Broken Man Stolen Love Um, and it's like about reclaiming reclaiming yourself after a relationship and like Mm -hmm. like just like kind of living again i guess yeah. like after being in something that was so shitty for so long so that's like the first thing off of fancy habits that's what it's called okay. um like dealing in with like peeling back the layers of life uh the good the bad and like the in-between shit like mm. it's really about being tr- as transparent <laughs> as possible um so i'm really excited for that we put a lot of work into it yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, And then lastly, what advice do you have for an artist trying to make it big out of the Midwest?
1: Be yourself. Um, Don't put too much pressure on yourself when it comes to the numbers um, because they're going to grow as you grow. And don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to start over. Don't be afraid to shift, pivot, and just like lose the fear And allow that fear to, like, motivate you into, like, your newest, best self. Because usually in, like, those moments of fear when we learn what we don't like and don't want to happen anymore and you find yourself um, on path of, like, where you need to be. So it's just, like, lose the fear and create without limits. That's what I would tell them.
0: Well, thank you for coming on the show with no, me. No, thank you for having me. Man. There were a bunch of curveballs, but we were, were able time. to get through them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the center one was like, Oh, my God. <laughs> I've been seeing that coming. But, uh, good. Right, well, thank you. Oh, Thanks yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, that was fun. Oh, man. That will do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. We would love for you to subscribe to our channel and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also like the Commonwealth on Facebook and follow Alec and I on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. We release episodes on Mondays, so stay tuned for next week.